Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From the southernmost point of Dorne to the lands of always winter, what is west of west and the shadows in the east, this is Casterly Talk. I'm Ken Napsuck. Hello, my friends. We are here to talk about the lessons, themes, and moments of Game of Thrones, A Song of Ice and Fire, and the world of ice and fire at large. I'll be honest, it's the end of a busy week for me. I'm sitting down here to my microphone with a little bit less planned than I have had in the last couple weeks. It's kind of like Daily Thrones in the old days, where I just press record and see where my mind takes me. But you're here to help me. We've got some great calls. I have a lot of calls in the in the bank, and um, I just want to dive into some of them here and, and uh, work through what I think. I, I love not having the answers. Game of Thrones is a property that really challenges you just when you think you have the answers of the why of Game of Thrones, of why these moments and these characters uh, are there, what they mean, what they mean to you. Just as the late, great Roddy Piper would say, just when you think uh, you have the answers, I change the questions. That is Game of Thrones. To a, to a T there. Thanks, uh, Hot Rod. Uh, first things first, congratulations are in order to Sophie Turner, our Queen of the North. Her and uh, uh, which which Jonas? I don't mean this disrespect. What Jonas brother is it? Joe Jonas? Yes, she's married to Joe Jonas. Uh, they gave birth to their uh, first child, a baby girl, last Wednesday in L.A. And they have named her Willa. Uh, w i l l a. Willa W uh, Y. Excuse me. W i l l a is their child. W y l l a is uh, the. Uh, Woman at Starfall who took care of Jon Snow as a baby, as we know. It's a very Game of Thrones name. I doubt. I think Sophie Turner is very proud of her work in Game of Thrones, very proud of the career that has given her. Um, but I, I doubt she was, she doesn't strike me as a type that's like, you know what? I'd love to name my daughter a Game of Thrones character. Um, even though she adopted, uh, she, didn't she uh, adopt her? Or she adopted her direwolf, right? From, from a lady, right? So she, you know, you know what I mean. Let's not go down. Let's just say congratulations. Can just say congratulations to Sophie Turner and Joe Jonas on the birth of their daughter. The Game of Thrones family grows and grows. We uh, are going to uh, take a couple calls here. Last week, we talked about that casting rumor, the blood, uh, not the, the, the blood moon kind of pilot rumor, some of the characters that might have been in that as well. 
Uh, and Eric Monroe has a thought about what we could have got. And we're going to talk about Cloud and Lake. Hey, Kenny Casually Talk. So hearing um, the Blood Moon pilot, like what it would have been, I, I got to be honest with you, Ken. It, it does disappoint me a little that we're not getting it. Um, don't get me wrong. I'm very happy we're getting House of the Dragon. But that the, the error that um, Blood Moon would have been set in, I, I find fascinating because there's not a, a ton written about it. So it would have been somewhat uncharted territory, which I think would have been good. But I've always been very fascinated with the children of the forest and just, you know, hearing, the, you know, names like Cloud and Lake. I, I, I like that. So I, I would love to see it happen in a movie form, even if it was just a two hour movie. So maybe one day we will get more from that time period but as of right now i am pumped for house of the dragon i am pumped for the house of the dragon as well eric as you all know and i share your feelings of what could have been with blood moon not i'm not even talking about what went wrong with the pilot or why the pilot didn't get picked up and the business reasons or anything behind the scenes just as a fan i did really want to dig into that era and here at Cloud and Lake and Leaf and all those kind of things and what that could have meant to the story, to our story, to get more. Because I was excited, not for not just to see what Jane Goldman really had planned and the idea she was working on, but with George R. R. Martin involved, what old R.R. would have maybe been able to do with that era that he hasn't really defined. And that in our, in the story, in our world of, of Ice and Fire, that Age of Heroes is intentionally vague or intentionally what's true and what is wild legend what is truly a god come to earth and what is truly just a rumor that's spun out of control and we would maybe get some of those answers i was excited to get kind of the game of thrones canon put out there and as you know we we love diving into the whys and the emotional themes and reasons for that but to get some of the how and the what I, I, I don't want anyone to misunderstand me when I, when I rail on and on and on about the why, the why of Star Wars, the why of Game of Thrones, the themes, those are the what, what you need to focus on when you're watching these stories. No, I also love the checklist of answers. I do love that stuff. I love getting it. I don't need it all right away in one episode, one movie, one show, one scene. I love knowing that I can find out about it. And I never thought we'd find out about the Age of Heroes, really. Uh, it just didn't seem... On the on the table, uh, and this this show emerges, and and George R. R. Martin saying, "I'd love the I love the title of the show, The Long Night," got us intrigued, and so I I'm with you, Eric. Maybe one day. That's why a lot of hope and a little bit of pressure. Well, let's be honest, a lot of pressure will be on House of the Dragon. That team has got to live up to the expectations of the general audience, who feelings of season seven and eight maybe aside, still love the show. You can still find the merchandise at shops, at geek stores, in the malls, all that kind of stuff. There's still a potential audience for it. And so if that show shows up and can re-tap into that, it is highly unlikely that you are going to get the same fervor around this show. History just kind of proves that. Spinoffs. And you could list... You can list a lot of sitcom spinoffs, which I, I, I believe are from a different era and don't, they're not, it's not a one to one comparison. All right. I'm not comparing Aftermath to House of the Dragon, but it is not new to the business. I always say Hollywood, like sports, it's a copycat business. A certain offense works for a football team and they go to the Super Bowl next season. Every team has some version of that offense in general. 
that's how it works. And if a wild offensive formation like the Wildcat that my old Miami Dolphin team, my favorite Miami Dolphin team started, and that was like, ooh, that caught on. That didn't go anywhere. No team really won the Super Bowl running the Wildcat offense. It died off, right? It pops up every now and then. That's what Hollywood is like, too. This is working. Let's do it. Game of Thrones worked. You saw a lot of TV shows that are Game of Thrones-like pop up. Vikings, Last Kingdom. I'd say, even though I don't watch those shows, I say that they they work. Witcher works. They're the same type of feel, and they tap into that audience. Oh, people love dragons, magic, sword, little sex, little violence. Yeah, that's a good formula. Let's do it over here. But to go back to the same world and to that well doesn't always work. I bring up Aftermash, MASH, one of the all-time great shows, one of the all-time great sitcoms, and almost immediately after the show, Aftermash shows up, which was going to follow um, three or four of the characters as they go home. I think uh, Radar O'Reilly, um, Jamie Farr's uh, uh, Corporal Klingon, uh, Klingon, Klinger, Klinger, Klingon. That's that's Star Trek. Uh, Klinger <laughs> and um, uh, the Colonel, too, right? So... And I remember that because I grew up in that time. I remember the MASH finale. It's how old I am. I remember my parents gathered around the TV. I remember them going, oh, uh, after MASH, let's watch that. And then it's gone. It's gone. It's not now, Ken. It's not the same. Different era, different style of show, high pay cable television. It's different. But I'll tell you what. House of the Dragon has a wall to climb. They're going to need some free folk climbing gear to get over the wall but if it does eric those listening if house of the dragon does climb up over that wall and it hits with some great action it has a similar look and feel but it's stand up stands up on, on its own and it taps into that audience and it makes us uh snobbier game of thrones fans uh like it our our more critical game of thrones fans they like it, you know, it It might have a little bit of fire and blood, the book hanging over it, but it doesn't have the books hanging over it. So maybe a second guess the plot a little less. And this thing catches, pun intended, some fire. Then that could open up the idea of, all right, those other ideas that were sticking around. Do we revisit some of these things? Does uh, the Jane Goldman story idea become a movie, a series of movies or anything? And could you put it on HBO Max? That changes the game, too. Look at Star Wars and Disney+. Plus. And Marvel hasn't even really launched out onto on, on Disney+, Plus yet. Wait till they start getting their original programming on there. And if it works, like The Mandalorian did, but not only works, but in conjunction with, well, people aren't going to movies because we can't right now. People are going to movies less anyways. And now Star Wars movies are pushed back. It sucks. Not good. But hey, we got Disney Plus and we can shoot it cheaper and it's our own. And we can just have to worry about subscription numbers, a little less pressure. And then we got 15 Emmys for our first season. This is good. HBO Max could become that kind of thing. HBO Go, HBO Now, which is what HBO Max kind of came out of was never the same thing. It was the app version, the on-the-go version of HBO. HBO has always been that kind of model. From Arliss, uh, Dream On, 
Sopranos takes it to the next level. Game of Thrones blows the roof off the place. The documentaries, the special shows, the series they do now. HBO's always been what Disney Plus is now in the Star Wars universe. We are our own thing. We're high-quality, premium content. We release it ourselves. Some things don't work. John from Cincinnati, yeah, that didn't work. But other things do work, and we allow get, get to allow ourselves to do it. That's the stories I hear. The Game of Thrones pilot, yep, they were all over it. They decided to reshoot it, kind of rare. They were all over it. But then once they were, once, once the show was out of the stable, HBO kind of, for the most part, left it alone. Just needed to make sure they renewed it every year until they finally were like, yeah, it's sticking around. That's that can happen, Eric. And I think Cloud and Lake and Leaf and all that story, I think one day we could get it if all those pieces fall into place. So let's make it let's make it so, everybody. Let's make it so. All right, we got a call call here from uh, Alden and I, you know, this is one of the ones I I I I've been wanting to get to. I'm gonna play it now because I'm gonna maybe need all of you to help. Uh, with your responses. I want this to be an ongoing conversation. Great a great question here about which house governed correctly. Hey, Ken, it's Alden here with a question sort of about the governing styles of the different houses of Westeros, the different major uh, domineering forces and how they choose to approach problems and how they choose to approach inter-house relations. So I'm thinking a little bit about Tywin saying, you know, that he doesn't want any house to be able to step to House Lannister with impunity. He doesn't want to be disrespected and he would rather be feared. He talks about how the Lannisters can't risk no longer being house to be feared. But then we see houses like House Tyrell that prefer to have their relations be based on the fact that they are needed by the realm for grain and and horses and, and gold and other things like that. And then more so the isolationist North where Ned was a well-respected man, but he was definitely worried about his kingdom and uh, it seems his kingdom alone outside of his relations with the Tully's. So let me know how you feel about what the right approach was. Wow. Yeah, this is why I was like going to do a little more research on this, maybe pull some clips, do the thing I've been loving to do. But you know what? I wanted to get to this call today. I want to start this conversation because I think a lot of you listening, a lot of my regular callers like Alden, um, Kevin Ross, Eric Monroe, uh, uh, Mark, Billy, Addy, I think you all, I think you all can weigh in on this. You have to go in store. You have to go in world. And sometimes it's hard to do that. This is why Andres Cabrera and I have talked a lot and did an episode about Tywin Lannister. We love Tywin Lannister. We think Tywin is a really good character who actually probably there's a lot of lessons to learn from him, both good and bad. But in the story, he kind of did things right. Did he do things morally all the time? No. Was he ruthless? Yeah. Was he a mean guy? Yeah. We're not heaping praise on a evil character we're trying not to and i'd argue in the end uh tywin might be on the side of evil maybe maybe but that's the thing that's the fun part of this conversation my quote of the week was going to come a little bit later in the show but i i think i want to share it now i had picked this one it's from tywin on the show i believe to Tyrion, if i'm memory serves following the red wedding which a lot of people believe Hey, that's wrong. You violated guest rights. The phrase did. That's why the kind of house was kind of cursed, right? Arya got a revenge. We're all for that. I am too. Boltons, F them. Got it. But the moment with Tywin when he says, explain to me why it is more noble to kill 10,000 men in battle than a dozen at dinner. 
We've talked about that quote before here on on, on Casually Talk. I got to tell you something. I, I think Tywin's, I think Tywin's right for this world, for this game that we're watching being played. I'm not condoning it. I'm not saying the Red Wedding and the brutal murders of everyone there was a good thing. But Starks were planning to go to Casterly Rock. That's what Rob decided to do. That's where they were going. They were going to probably do some bad things there. We see it all the time. Brianna Tarth, do you serve Catelyn Stark? I do not serve the Starks. I serve Catelyn Stark. Then that's Stark men that have strung up the ladies that she has to kill. Right then, you're, it's, it's the, whoa, what is going on? I'm supposed to be rooting, but it's the brutalities of war. It's a comment on that. Who's right? Who's wrong? This is why Alden's question, just about who governed. I'm not talking about the war, but who governed. I, 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 my answer changes by the second. I go to Tywin. I think House Lannister probably did it right. They governed correctly in terms of winning and protecting the dynasty, the legacy. Now, they're, now the rain weeps o'er their halls with not a voice to, to tell. Um, he's kind of winning the game, but he loses in the end. Why does Tywin lose in the end? He protected his house, but he didn't keep his house in order. Tywin is brought down by his children. He's brought down specifically by his son, the one he treated the worst. That's part of the lesson of Tywin. It's a brutal world, this Westerosi land and this battle for the throne. And I think Tywin's got the right idea on how to do it if you want to survive. He just did not protect his actual family on the inside, and that got him in the end. Cersei, different story. She loses. So House Lannister in the end, I would say, uh, you know, again, I'd say they're the bad guys. And they don't win. So I look at House Tyrell. I think House Tyrell is generally really respected, needed. Mace, Mace Tyrell, not so much. They're respected. They're needed. They play all sides, and that's kind of smart. I think Marjorie Tyrell is one of the smartest players. She's got in. I don't think she got in over her head. She just got into a spot where she maybe outsmarted herself. She was trapped, and I think her loss wasn't necessarily her fault. Also, she figured it out and was like, we all need to get the hell out of this sept. So in terms of pro wrestling, there's sometimes like, uh, you know, Hulk Hogan would uh, kick out of a pin just as he's getting pinned. So he lost and he passed his, on the torch to the ultimate warrior, but Hogan technically didn't win. Oh, the wonderful locker room politics of wrestling. I think that was a little bit with Marjorie Tyrell. She kicked out, but the referee still counted to three. You know what I mean? Loris, same thing. The how the Tyrells lose their way. Elena has to throw in with Danny, and I, that's uh, be a dragon. I think there's some great stuff. Elena Tyrell's probably my one of my favorite leaders of of a house in Game of Thrones, and they are needed. And so every side needs them. They are that swing boat. We need their resources. We need their army. High Garden itself never was much of a, a warrior culture, right? That's why that's even Olena kind of, eh, yeah, you know, of course you take our castle. Because once they weren't needed or once people, once House Lannister was like, you know what? Take your grain and go home. We're going to destroy you. We don't need you anymore. That cost them. But I think House Tyrell was probably, I'd rather live there under their rule. 
Dorn, Martels. Uh, I'd say isolationists to a point, but also he ain't going to take us and we ain't bending the knee. And I really respect what they did against Aegon. Love hearing their stuff. So I would say, and they're still, you know, they're, they think, well, take on the show and in the, into the books, but on the show, it's a little topsy-turvy world over there down in Dorne, right? Not good. Erased from the the, the, the the chessboard a little bit, but Dorne itself still going strong. Not a lot of people are going down there. I'd say that they're not doing a bet. Great point about how Stark, kind of their own isolationism. They, they kind of win. They get their independence back. They're the loners. I respect. I'm, it's like me. Just leave me alone. I just want to go in my room and play video games for a little bit. All right, is that okay? And now I'm here. I'm still. I'm still standing. Right. I think. And, and John, count him as a Stark as as much as you want. Um, he's he survives the way he needs to. Um, Bran becomes king. Uh, Sansa's queen of the North, and they regain their independence. Stark wins. Stark wins. Stark wins. But did they do it right? Did they win because of the way they governed, the way they approached it? I don't necessarily think it was always right for them to stick out. But also, you know, it's the North. But also, Ed, Ed, he did. Uh, Ed, uh, yeah, well, Ed Stark. Ned Stark. Ed Stark. Eddard Stark. Ed Ned. Yeah, dead Ned. Um, they heeded the call when they needed to, right? The Greyjoy Rebellion. They were there. Ned's first through the gate, right? Along with uh, Thoros Amir and Jorah and all the gang there. Uh, in the end... Any way you slice it, show or book, how he gets down, how he gets to the decision point of going down to support Robert, he does it. He heeds the call. So Ned specifically, House Stark, they're not going to completely turn the back on you. They just want to be left alone a little bit. Uh, so I respect it. So I don't have the answer. I go to that Tywin quote because uh, that's that's one of the quotes where I'm like, take the Starks out of it. Take uh, Talisa Stark being brutally murdered, murdered as she's expecting uh, Ned Jr. Like uh, you know Ned the Third. You want to go? Wouldn't be technically Ned Jr. It's brutal. It's brutal. Catelyn Stark. Brutal stuff. So you don't want him. Roose F. Roose Bolton. Right? Yeah. Take those characters out that you love it, and just look at the chessboard that you're trying to play here in the game you're trying to win. I think House Lannister has the right approach. And that quote is one of the ones that always makes me think of it. Explain to me why it is more noble to kill 10,000 men in battle than a dozen at dinner. Now, uh, honor, right? You might be saying, but Tyrion's right. So bad. They broke the house, the guest rights. They did it at a weather wedding and da 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 da. Yeah, bad. But we love Braun. We love Braun and we stab Servardos right in the neck and throws him out the moon gate. You're right. I didn't fight with honor. He did. Cheer. We love Braun. Which one is different? Are they different? I don't think so. This is why I think Tywin. Someone I don't think I want to hang out with, but I might want to be on his team until it's time to go. I don't know. There's no right answer here. Let me know. Let's talk about it. Get those calls in. Who governed correctly? Great thought starter from Alden. Diaz. Check out his uh, Star Wars podcast, Octo Radio. And uh, we're going to take a quick break. On the other side, I got some more questions to ask you. I don't have the answers, friends. I don't have the answers. I love discussing the themes and lessons 
Game of Thrones, Song of Ice and Fire, and the world of ice and fire with all of you. Stick around here on Casually Talk. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey team, I'm Grace Hancock, and I wanted to let you know that I'm adding new designs to my Society6 shop with several on their way. If you didn't know, you can go to society6.com slash Mrs. Graceface and shop prints of my original artwork, as well as tons of other items like stationery, notebooks, mugs, throw pillows. It's a great place to shop for gifts or just for yourself, especially in my shop if you like witchy expressionism. So head to society6.com slash Mrs. Graceface and check it out. For the best in pop culture art, sleek designs, and some of the best brand logos around, shop G9 Design on TeePublic and represent the electrifying art of Janine Bryce with a shirt, wall art, and more. Go to TeePublic.com slash user slash G9 Design. And while you're searching the G9 Design storefront, check out Janine's show, It's a Wonderful Podcast, available right here on Anchor and wherever podcasts are found. Hey y'all, what's going on? This is Kojak. I create music that can be found both on YouTube and SoundCloud, and now I'm a recent streamer on Twitch. So if you're looking for some chill instrumentals, check me out on YouTube and SoundCloud under KOJQ. And for some laughs, you can check my Twitch page under KO underscore JAQ. Everyone, please be safe, and thank you. Here on Casterly Talk, 72nd edition of the show. 73 episodes of HBO's Game of Thrones. We're almost there. We're going to keep going. That, sound, that sounded oddly like a challenge or a slag on uh, Ben Applewise. It was not. <laughs> you have to be careful these days. All right. Uh, this is uh, next. We're going back to Eric with a call. This is again. This is, this is, uh, this is another call that I was like... I'm gonna sit down. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna research this. I've been. I've been wanting to do this more and more. And then nah, it's just been one of those weeks. And I was like, I don't want to. I don't want this one to sit here too long. And then maybe we can get some more people to weigh in on this one. So the title of this call, and it's. Just, and I'll say this: we have talked about this subject before. We've played from some scenes, but it was more about the why of Jon Snow and all those kind of things. So this is, without further ado, our call from Eric Monroe again. Hey, Canon Casually Talk. So I just finished uh, the season five premiere of Game of Thrones um, during my rewatch, and it, to date, it's still not counting the pilot. It is my favorite season premiere. I just love it, especially the um, the story at the wall with John, Stannis, and Mance. And you know, I love the talk between John and Mance, and I love Mance's final scene. You know, he tells Stannis, "I wish you good fortune in the wars to come." The first time we hear that line on the show. 
And but it gets me thinking, looking at it now, and I'm a big Nance fan. I love him in the books, and I'm even though we only got a little of him on the show, I love him on the show. But do you think Nance did the right thing? Because he was so he want oh, we found out what his objective was. He just wanted to save his people. And I understand what he's talking about, pride, that if he bends the knee, that all, you know, what would they think of him? But did he really do the right thing for his people? We find out later, you know, Tormund thinks he didn't. But what do you think in regards to Mance? Oh, this kills me. This kills me, Eric, because I love Mance Rayner. And you're right, a lot of great stuff in the books, more, more involved in the story. He goes on, but Kieran Hines comes in and just, just knocks out of the park. We get so... Few of scenes with Mance Raider in the show, but the shadow of Mance hangs over so much uh, of of the moments, the lessons, and our characters. He greatly influences Jon Snow, which is why we're going to play a little bit of the scene that we did play recently in the Why of Jon Snow episode, because Jon himself finds himself finds himself just right where Mance is. That's why it's important, right? That's what these scenes build towards things. The the groundwork is there. And much like what we just talked about with the houses and who governs correctly, was Tywin wrong? Was Tywin right? The reason I just love this show, and I know you all do too, and I love these books, and I love this world, is much like ours. It's not always easy. Sometimes it is. Sometimes it is easy, and the choices are clear as day. Here's what should happen. But this one, because it involves just characters that I think we all love, Jon Snow, Mance Raider, and uh, Tormund, Giants Bang, who is right? What is right? There might not be one answer for this, but let's discuss. We're going to play the scene from uh, episode uh, one of season five. This is Mance Raider in captivity, refusing to bend the knee. Stannis... Good old Stannis the Menace, our guy, me and Eric's guy. I'll I'll let the wildlings, uh, not the free folk, the wildlings to Stannis come on down. I'll give them safe passage. I'll protect them behind the wall here, but they got to serve me. Fight my army. It's a good tactical move. Even Davos kind of agrees. Like, let's do this. It's it's different than what John wants to do. John just says hey, later on, like, let's just bring them on down. They have a right to survive. There's something coming down bigger, badder than our war for the throne. Let's maybe they'll come down and join and, and on their own free will, their own volition. Like get, make the wildlings the free folk south of the wall, and we all might be better for it. I, again, that's part of the journey of John. It's part of the why of John. I don't think he's wrong at all there. That's one of those incidents I, I say it's a little more clear. But along the way, John has this up and down journey, and it's just this great moment at the end of Mance's life. Now, I was so sad when I when I realized that oh no, the show it wasn't following the books in this regard, and, and no uh, no trickery, nothing else. For so those who haven't read the books, I'll, I'll save some of the uh, surprise for you there. But those who have read the books, I was one of the ones who were like, God, no, give me more Mance. They did kill him. Damn it. But, uh, you know, here's the scene, and here it is. And we're going to pick it up a little bit after. John has already kind of said some stuff to him, like, come on. Bend the knee. Save the women and children. Save your people. Ben, that's all you got to do. And Mance gives a speech that makes you think here. Nope, Mance is right. It's it's a pretty compelling speech. But we're going to pick it up 
after or right when Mance asks how they're going to do it. Uh, beheading, and, and, and you'll listen as you're about to hear the clip. Uh, what, beheading, this and that? No, they're going to burn you. Ah, oh, damn. What I love about this moment, what I love about it for Mance Raider, is they're, he's doing something honorable. He's doing something in these, these stories, these fantasy-like stories, this self-sacrifice. No, we're going to stick to our guns. Um, we, we, we have a, an ethos and a pathos, and we're sticking to it. We're staying on our path, and it's honorable. Burn me. I don't care. No, Mance doesn't have that. Mance is like, oh, God, that's a horrible way to go. And I love when he says here, you're about to hear it, and you'll say it a lot better than I. I'll be honest with you, Jon Snow. I don't want to die. I think that's a great just point of honesty, admission, and really makes what comes next even more powerful for Mance. That he's not just defiant. Yeah, whatever. Kill me. Kill me. Ned's got some great stuff. I, you know, I've been trained to die. I get it. Kill me. I don't think, and I'm not comparing the two moments. I think Ned was right for his story. I think Mance is right for his story. But this makes... Mance's decision more powerful to me. So let's hear it. How will they do it? Beheading? Hanging? They'll burn you alive. Bad way to go. I'll be honest with you. I don't want to die. I'm burnt to death. I don't want people to remember me like that, scorched and screaming. But it's better than betraying everything I believe. And what happens to your people? You preserve your dignity and die standing. And they'll sing songs about you. You'd rather burn than kneel, the great hero. Until winter comes. And the White Walkers come for us all, and there's no one left to sing. You're a good lad. Truly, you are. But if you can't understand why I won't enlist my people in a foreigner's war, there's no point explaining. The freedom to make my own mistakes was all I ever wanted. Oh, it's a good, oh, it's a good scene. Oh, God, everything about that scene. It's in- interesting to me as I'm watching that. Remember, Danny's, Danny goes on her own journey, uh, recruiting warriors for her side. And the idea of getting the unsullied a slave army is put before her and she could have easily just taken that army as it was. Uh, she could have taken it, purchased it, whatever, walked away with an army that had no choice but to follow her. So she knew that was not as powerful. She knew that was not what she wanted to do. Uh, takes the unsullied in her own way, buys them and then gives them freedom. Your choice. She gets them all to fight for her. John is going through that as well. I, I think a lot of this, a lot of what Mance 
saying again factors into John's journey and his decision to be like, yeah, yeah, we do need them. We really do need the free folk. It'd be great if we had their resources, their skills, them, but they need to do it themselves and that will make it stronger, more powerful, a better chance for us to survive. I think a lot of that comes out of this. Man's just laughing. Eh? The freedom to, to make my own decisions, good or bad, it's all I wanted. That's the point. So you hear this, and, and I, I am saying that Mance made the right decision here for himself and for his people. I think it's, I think he's right. There would have been no freedom for them. Might have been worse off than having to fend against the White Walkers. Bad way to go, that, the White Walkers. No one wants to do that. Just burn me, please, you know? That's the idea, North, the true North. But it would be better than dying in this war for Stannis, dying in a cause they don't believe in. That's that's big stuff. That's big, big stuff. And I'm behind Mance in this. But I think it's fascinating to bring it back, going to Season 7, Episode 6. We are now north of the wall. Snow Team 6 is heading off to do their crazy mission. And we get some of our favorite stuff in Season 7. Yes, a season that sometimes takes some slings and arrows from critics and fans alike. I very much understand it. I'm with there I'm with you on some of it. I still overall just really like the season. So burn me at the stake because I just find enjoyment in the stories that are presented to me. But I can't deny that season seven, episode six, got, has some of our favorite moments. It's filled with some of our favorite uh, conversations. Now, like, it did remind us one of a little bit old school Game of Thrones, season one, two, and three conversations. And you felt like you had a little bit of time in this very fast season. Out of that emerged some great moments. The Jorah Jon Snow stuff, the, the, the Hackett on Gendry, the Hound stuff, Beric Dondarrion. There's some great stuff in there. And I'm riding along with them on this journey, and I'm excited. I'm, I'm oh, This is a great episode. Ah, this is great. This is great. And then this conversation happens between Tormund and Jon. Because remember, now Jon is in the same position, except for he's not in a dungeon cell. Same position. Danny says, I will help just bend the knee. I'll save your people. I'll save this world. Bend the knee because I need you for my cause. And John now finds himself in Mance's shackles. And for me, yeah, Mance is right. I love Daenerys Targaryen, but John, don't be this the next Stark king who knelt. Stark Targaryen king. Don't, yeah, don't, don't do that. Danny's going to come around. I was in that sh- in that ship and in that boat. Ship, a lot of ships, a lot of boats. Danny needed more. All right. Uh, and then this moment, this, and, and, and I'm laughing at the hound. I'm laughing at Tormund and the hound talking about Brienne. I'm laughing at Gendry, all the stuff. And then this moment happens. We've met this dragon queen, huh? And? And she'll only fight beside us if I bend the knee. You spent too much time with the free folk. Now you don't like kneeling. Mansrader was a great man, proud man. The king beyond the wall never bent the knee. How many of his people died for his pride? I mean, what are you doing to me, Tormund? What are you doing to me? Because I love Tormund, and he's not wrong. And he's not wrong. Is it a complete one-to-one comparison? 
the free folk and Mance with Stannis and John, and John and Danny and all. It's not. It's maybe one and a half to uh, one straight up. I don't know. But Tormund boils it down to a, a, a one-to-one comparison, and now he's not wrong. And I want you all to chime in on this, too, with calls. Let's go on. Let's have this discussion. Because I keep thinking of this idea, you know, Mance was trying to get f- true freedom for his people, even at the cost of his own death, his own life. And therefore, it would be the same for his his people. So what Tormund is telling me here, and what I'm picking up from this is, we loved Mance, clearly. We were ready to follow him and fight for him and with him, and we, he was our king beyond the wall. He united the tribes. But maybe what Tormund is saying, yeah, but look, Mance knew our cultures, knew our pride, spoke for us, which we had given him that power to do, so to speak, even though the the true north dealt with rulers a little different, obviously. But did Mance give them that choice? Did Mance give them that freedom? Mance may have not had the opportunity to go to every person in in, in the Free Folk Army and said, uh, do you want to go serve Stannis and maybe go south of the wall, or do you want to stick north of the wall and deal with what's to come? Because this is my decision, what's your decision? Uh, It's not realistic. I wouldn't expect any king or queen to do that. That's the promise, right? Politicians are supposed to do that. We're here for the people. How many times have you got a phone call? Uh, Hello, I'm uh, your local congressman. I'm going to make this decision. What do you, Ken, feel about this? Eh, It probably doesn't happen. Your voice is your vote. Your voice is your vote. Say that fast. Your voice is your vote. And that's sometimes the best hope we have maybe. And there's other, you know, this is a different conversation, but you know what I mean? Mance had the vote, but did, did he have the right to speak for everyone in this situation? That's what I pick up from Tormund. John, you will not bend the knee before Danny. And that's great. You learn from us free folk. You spent time with us and we get it. I'm all there, but perhaps Tormund is saying we have learned. Perhaps we, the free folk who love that term, not we don't want to be called wildlings by you all south of the wall. We're free folk. We, we're up here. Not by our own choice. We'd like to get down, though, by our own choice. If, if you're lettuce, if not, we'll climb the wall and take it from you, right? Maybe they learned and, and, and grew. Maybe Torben, who stood by John at Hardhome, uh, knew what he was going to face. Uh, knew the culture and, and, and the atmosphere and the attitude up there. Knew that John would not be accepted, but that they needed to accept him for their own good. Right? As Tormund learned. Is Tormund now saying to John in this moment, I think your morality on this is right. You shouldn't have to bend the knee to get Danny to help. You shouldn't have to bend the knee for our survival. But if you don't, we will die. And in the end, is that worth a knee? I don't have, I don't have the real world answer 100%. I don't have the Game of Thrones answer 100%. But I just remember being shook by this moment. 
because I'm someone that's going to pay attention to the themes. I'm going to go on podcasts and I'm going to write books and pieces and blog, blah. And I'm just going to tell you all like, hey, here's the why of these scenes. But never, never mistake that for me feeling I have 100% the answer on what all these moments mean. Because when Tormund said these words in season seven, I question what I believed in season five. It's great stuff. So I want to know what you guys think. What house governed correctly? How wrong was Mance? How right was Mance? Little column A, little column B. And what do you interpret Tormund in this moment? It's kind of clear what he's saying to John. But do you think he learned? Do you think he felt Mance was right then? Now he thinks, now uh, maybe Mance wasn't wrong. Would Tormund have served in Stannis' army then? Maybe not, but would he have served it now? Good questions to ask. Tough answers to come up with, but I want to know. You all are the best, and I appreciate my casterly talk. Listeners, been a fun month with you all here. We're going to get more going, be more depth. Oh, also, I'm thinking, I'm thinking here, hear me out here. What do we think about starting a very slow Game of Thrones rewatch? Like, I'm talking not even, we're not doing six a week. Do we do one a week, one a month, two a month? We We got a lot of episodes to get through. Guarantees uh, some content going forward, but taking our time and having a having calls and questions come in, you guys know we're doing episode one, season one. You guys want something like that on Cashflow Talk? Is it time to dive in? Because I have not done the big rewatch, but I don't want to do, hey, I'm going to one week watch all the episodes. Let's spend some time in it. We did that before earlier on Cashflow Talk of going back to season one. And looking at things that mean more now than it did then, that's kind of fun too. But let's also dive back in, maybe find more of the whys and the lessons and the moments in the show that we love. Put that out there. Let me know what you think. You can follow me at Catnapsock. Follow uh, Morning Drive Media, the uh, company behind this. It's me. It's my company. Uh, uh, Go follow them on Twitter at mdrivemedia. So you can get up to date on all the shows. I'll do most of the podcast promoting from that uh, Twitter uh, feed going forward. There's some link trees to other places to follow me. The Patreon page, patreon.com slash Uh That is uh, That directly supports this show. Other shows I do, go to KenNapsock.com as well. Uh, and let me know. I want to know about what we're talking about, but also doing that rewatch going forward. All right. I'm out of here. I'm going to go ponder what Mance was saying, what Tormund was saying, what Tywin's saying, what Elena Tyrell's saying. Oh, a lot of great sayings in Game of Thrones. It's up to us to figure out what they mean. We'll see you all next week on Castle Talk. Bye.